Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna, and alongside me, fellow Pensburg writer, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, it's a it's, it's out a day early this week compared to our typical time slot of of uh, the podcast releasing on Fridays. But uh, how have you been since last week's episode? Well, not too bad, Garrett. Uh, been some nice weather here. It's cold again now, but uh, it was a good weekend and uh, overall pretty good time. Everything's going pretty well now. Just. Uh, one more game of this regular season to go, and then buckle in, it's playoff time. So we're waiting for the playoffs, and we obviously don't have to uh, be in athletic condition, and we don't have to conserve energy, but uh, maybe the Penguins, that's what they're doing over their last over the last couple of months and over the last 10 games they've played. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that discussion uh, momentarily, but we'll start the podcast off as we always do with our recap segment. And uh, because of the, the, the topic at hand this week and the mailbag, this is going to be a bit of a speed recap. We'll start with the April 21st game against the Boston Bruins, uh, a game that the Penguins pretty, pretty much dominated. Uh, Casey DeSmith, Highlight uh, the highlight, one of the highlights of his season, having a 52 save shutout over the playoff bound Boston Bruins. The Penguins win by a score of four to nothing. This game noted for Jake Gensel scoring a hat trick and reaching 40 goals on the season. So again, Pittsburgh wins four nothing over the Boston Bruins. 
April 23rd, they would play the Detroit Red Wings, who uh, are not in playoff contention this season, are uh, steadily getting better in their rebuild process. But uh, the Penguins would handle business against the Detroit Red Wings in Detroit, winning this game by a score of, of 7-2. to two. Sidney Crosby hits the 30-goal mark for the 10th time in his career. Uh, Evgeny Malkin would be returning in this game from his four-game suspension. He gets on the score sheet with a power play goal uh, towards the end of the second period, and he would score the, the final of the seven goals at the 1934 mark of the third period. Again, Pittsburgh taking care of business against a lowly Detroit Red Wings team. Uh, they beat the Red Wings 7-2. to two. April 24th, the Penguins meet the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, but after two very impressive performances from the Penguins uh, and facing off against the Bruins and the Red Wings, uh, the Penguins lay a bit of an egg here, losing to their most heated rival, the Flyers, 4-1. to one. Uh, Morgan Frost, Noah Cates, and uh, Noah Cates again in the early third period, or the midway point of the third period, score the first three goals for the Flyers. Sidney Crosby would be the lone goal scorer, getting his 31st goal of the season at the 16-27 mark of the third period. And uh, like I mentioned again, uh, Philadelphia wins this one by a score of 4-1. to one. And on to the most recent game, April 26th. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers came to PPG Paints Arena, another Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid game. Well, this what this game was all about Connor McDavid, as his four points helped uh, the Oilers clinch second place in the Pacific Division. The Oilers win this one by a score of five to one. The Oilers score three goals in the third period of play. Zach Hyman, Connor McDavid, and Zach Cassian scored the three goals. Hyman and McDavid, their markers coming on separate power plays. Uh, so a little bit of a mixed bag in this recap segment. They, the the Pittsburgh, the Penguins uh, have a 52 save shutout. They they beat the Boston Bruins pretty handily, and the Bruins throw everything they can at them. They take care of business against the Red Wings, but they have two uh, two consecutive stinkers against the Flyers and the Edmonton Oilers. And so with the recap segment out of the way, let's shift our focus to the main segment now, which is pretty interesting, Robbie, because uh, the last couple of games, if you're a Penguins fan and you're on social media, you're, you're scrolling through Twitter, uh, you're looking at all of the people who cover the Penguins, all of the analysts, all of the fans. They're relative. They're they're, they're saying the same thing. They, it looks like the Penguins are cooked, and the way that the Penguins have played over the last month and a half, two months, is pretty much indicative of where things are going uh, as we get closer to the May second start date of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So my question for you, Robbie, this week is: Who are the real Pittsburgh Penguins? Are they the team that shut out uh, a playoff-bound Boston Bruins side and proceeded to trounce the Detroit Red Wings? Or are they a team that looked uninspired and slow against the likes of the Philadelphia Flyers and the Edmonton Oilers? Or is there some sort of happy medium to be found here between the two performances uh, against the Bruins and Red Wings and then the two performances against the Oilers and the Flyers? So the Penguins are 4-5-1 and one in their last 10 games. Obviously not a great statistic that fills you with a lot of optimism with the playoffs just being a week away. So, Robbie, in your estimation, looking at what you know about this team, where this team is likely headed, either with a date with the New York Rangers or Florida Panthers in round one, 
do you think the Penguins are gassed and heading towards what very well could be another first round disappointment or with the advanced age of a lot of, of a lot of the players on this roster? Do you think they're just conserving energy for when the games actually matter and they're kind of tired of the regular season? I've seen a lot of doom and gloom on social media over the last week or so. Many are saying that the Penguins are just cooked. This could be the beginning of the end. Robbie, is it time for everyone to just take a chill pill, or do you think there is some there is some some credence to this notion that the Penguins could be in real trouble here? Yeah, I think that's the the million dollar question with the Penguins right now, and I kind of lean toward the theory of uh, there's a happy medium with this team between what we saw against Boston and Detroit as compared to what we saw against uh, Philadelphia and Edmonton. And, I mean, after those two games against Boston and Detroit, you, I mean, they outscored the opponents 11-2, to looked like a re-energized team coming off that long break. I think overall, everybody felt pretty good about themselves. They righted the ship right at the right time. Uh, things are going well yeah, here in the final week. And then they leave two absolute eggs against Philadelphia, a team that had one at home in a month that is just <laughs> had mailed it in uh, around Christmas time. And I mean, traded away a whole bunch of pieces, including their team captain playing for, I mean, basically next, next to nothing. They couldn't even really win to derail much of the Penguin season. The Penguins are already in the playoffs at this point, but go to go and just absolutely lay an egg. And then again, coming home and laying yet another egg against Edmonton. Now, Edmonton is a much better team than the Flyers are, even with all their flaws. Uh, just having McDavid and Dreisaitl uh, alone is a huge, huge uh, step up from what the Penguins face against Philadelphia. So in a way, the Philadelphia loss is much more egregious, but it was really like Two-Face and Batman with the Penguins those in those four games. You got the really good explosive world-beating Penguins in the first two games, and you get the completely almost incompetent Penguins in the second two games. So the takeaway, I, I don't think they're as good as what we saw against Boston. I don't think they're as bad as what we saw against Philadelphia. I think there's somewhere in the middle there. They are fighting for third place in the Eastern Conference. They are above 100 points, and they are just, I mean, they're there. They are a mid tier team i think in the east they will uh, their fight their whoever gets them in the first round is not gonna have an easy out whether it's the panthers or the rangers it's not going to be uh, an easy out by any means but i mean a lot is going to depend on the goaltending situation casey smith looks really good against uh, against uh, the fly or not the fly the um the bruins and the red wings uh, and then he looked not so good against the oilers so uh, you hope that can kind of write itself out here in the next couple weeks or in the next week or so once the playoffs begin here and once they wrap this up on Friday night, the regular season. But I think that there's just a a middle ground there. They're not – I wouldn't put them in the top tier with like your Florida, your Toronto, or your Carolina. I don't know if I necessarily even make them the favorite in a series against the Rangers right now. So, I, yeah, they're just – I mean – the East is going to be a bear. It's top to bottom, not easy at all for anyone. Uh, some teams are better prepared than, are better suited than others to make a run. 
but it's going to be a fist fight from round one all the way through the conference final, and the winner will be a deserving champion of that conference. But I think the Penguins, there's a happy medium. I definitely don't think they are as bad as uh, what we saw against Philadelphia and Edmonton. Uh, they do look gassed, and you could maybe say they're taking the foot off the gas a little bit. But, I mean, you still have business to take care of to get a more favorable matchup against the Rangers rather than the Panthers in that first round. So I mean, you can't really fully hit the brakes. you got to keep playing uh, and hope things break your way here in these next uh, two or three days that the Penguins can still manage a first-round matchup with the Rangers, which is, I think, on paper, a much more favorable matchup. And a matchup that a team like the Penguins, as we put in this this happy medium between those performances, um, they're much more suited to play a team again, like the Rangers and come out uh, with a series victory than uh, the Panthers, who are just absolutely on a roll right now, are probably going to win the President's Trophy, uh, who look like a complete hockey team um, from uh, up and down the roster. So I just I, what this team exactly is, I think they're just a middle of the road team. They're not I wouldn't really call them mediocre because mediocre, I don't think uh, really defines. I think when I think of mediocre, I think of a team like Dallas or. Uh, Las Vegas this year, more of a mediocre, like just hanging there. The Penguins comfortably in the playoffs. Um, And again, they were right in the mix for the most of the year. And maybe they're at the point now where age is slowly starting to take its toll more and more over an 82 game season. Uh, But yeah, I think that the Penguins are uh, definitely middle, like in between the two performances that we saw this past week. They're not as good as the team that beat Boston, not as bad as the team that uh, really laid a sinker against the the Flyers. So um, who comes out on Friday night? I guess we'll see. Hopefully there will be something to play for. Uh, well, they're guaranteed will be something on the line because Washington can't fully uh, pass them and lock up the third position yet without Friday night's results uh, in the book. So there will be something to play for. And I think you, and you want to go into the playoffs on, on a good note. So hopefully we get the, the better side of that. We get the, um, the good side of the Penguins on Friday night, but any night it feels like you get you could get either side of the Penguins, and I just think that they're just kind of right in the middle there. I'm almost tempted to ask as a follow up what 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 happens. Let's say worst case scenario, they get bounced again in the first round. You know, I'm almost tempted to ask what happens to this team. But I know, and we've talked about it before, and we might even have a question or two dedicated uh, to this week's mailbag, so I'll leave it at that. What, what what would happen if the Penguins flame out? Well, I shouldn't even flame out because they're not the Penguins aren't going to be favored in any any first round matchup, I don't believe, especially against if if it's against the Panthers. Uh, they're they're really not going to be favored uh, in any series. So they're going to be underdogs. They're not expected to progress much further along in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But that in itself, if they do lose in the first round, is just going to be so incredibly fascinating. Maybe not for all the right reasons, obviously. You don't want to see your team flame out in the first round when you work all this way through an 82-game season just to get bounced in five or six games and not have a chance to win a championship. Obviously, you don't want that. But the Penguins, as we've talked about all season on this podcast, are entering uh, a, a bit of a, of a of a franchise crossroads with the advanced age of Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, the contract statuses that we've brought up numerous times. It's just going to be such a fascinating offseason. And 
I know I'm trying to stay in the present here and, and, and trying to take things a, a day at a time and a game at a time uh, as the playoffs haven't even started yet. But I'm just so fascinated to see what Ron Hextall and Brian Burke do with the players that they could be losing, the money and the salary cap that they could be gaining. Who are they going to negotiate contracts with? Who are they going to let walk? All of it is just so fascinating. This we I don't know if we're going to be entering... Uh, an off season like this for the Penguins, we haven't had one in. Uh, th- we haven't had one that I think is this questionable, this up in the air in in quite some time. So uh, those are discussions we'll have down the road later on this summer, obviously. Uh, but with all of the doom and gloom, I, I, I'd like to agree with you, Robbie, and hope that there is some sort of happy medium to be found here. The, the Penguins do have some some punch left they're they're not old men by any means they do have some veteran players on this roster obviously brian boyle and jeff carter are the first two that come to mind they're not uh they're not young guns anymore but they definitely do have the firepower they definitely do have the skill to match up against any team in the east i think so i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What kind of team are we going to get? Like you said, there's one game left against the Columbus Blue Jackets on Friday night, April 29th. And then after that, all bets are off. We'll see what happens. That'll be a conversation for next week's episode when we finally have the details of who they're playing, when they will be playing. And we'll bring all of that to you uh, here on the podcast and as well as Pensburg.com. Let's shift gears now to the mailbag segment. If you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener and you're interested in contributing to this mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pennsburg Podcast Twitter account. Every week we'll send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. This week we have six great questions, and as always, Robbie, you get first dibs at the mailbag. Question number one comes from Brendan. Brendan says, please shoot down any and all notions of expanding the playoffs. There seems to be too much talk supporting the idea lately. Yeah, I, I mean, never say never, because uh, I don't want to be made look a fool if they would um, change things up. But I don't, I don't see it in the NHL. You already have a, a system where half the league uh, gets into the playoffs. Now, I mean, this year, I mean, if you look at the teams out of the East – and even out of the West, I mean, you're having to have, I think, 14. There's a potential of 14 or 16 playoff teams over 100 points. But I mean, after that though, there's a pretty big drop off after uh, those top eight, uh, those top eight teams. So uh, yeah, I think eight seems to be this. I don't think you ever see it strong. I don't think that's something that you ever see. But I mean, if you look at around the other leagues, you have an expanded playoff in baseball. The NFL recently expanded its playoffs. Uh, the NBA added a play-in tournament, but you don't technically qualify for the playoffs unless you make it out of that play-in tournament. So it's not necessarily a a foregone conclusion. You don't technically qualify for the playoffs in the play-in tournament. But, yeah, I don't think it just adds a little more mediocrity. I, I mean, I understand that base or hockey's a, a game where anybody could go on a tear. 
a hawk goalie could steal a couple series and uh, take you pretty far. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time in history that's ever happened. It could happen this year. It could not. I mean, you could. You had Dallas in the bubble a couple years ago get hot at the right time, given all the circumstances, and made it run to the final. You had. Um, you have stories like that all the time. Nashville making uh, that run in 2017 uh, as an underdog pretty much the entire the entire way. And so I think overall, I think the playoffs, the way they're set up in the NHL right now are, uh, are perfect. I think we can debate the format exactly, but I think you have the right, the right number of teams. You're never going to see it shrunk down. You're never going to see the team number lessened uh, just because of, I mean, money reasons. And I don't think that that's necessarily the right thing to do either. It'd be like getting rid of the two wild cards and saying that the top two teams in each division get a buy. That doesn't really uh, sit right with me. So I think overall, um, I don't think it's very serious talk. Uh, that could, I mean, it's probably going to be brought up at some point in an owners meeting or a GM's meeting uh, or something like that. I'm sure someone's going to float the idea because it, there's going to be owners out there. The teams are there are their bubble teams every year that think that hey, they want a shot to get in for a little extra revenue with a home game or two. So I think it's going to be brought up somewhere, but I don't think the overall appetite uh, is is for expanding the playoffs at the moment, uh, unless that would change in a hurry. I just don't, my personal opinion, you won't see it uh, anytime soon in the NHL, if at all. On number two, uh, staying with Brennan. Um, I know DeSmith, Domingue are not better goalies than Jari, but I feel better about that tandem than Jari. Uh, I'm a Jari defender, uh, even as worse, by the way. Maybe it's the unknown factor, but I feel like they could be a catalyst in the playoffs. I think Robbie kind Robbie kind of answered question one and question two. That's what I was going to to try and say. Robbie, you mentioned a goaltender can get hot and, and steal a couple of series. That might have to be what the what the Penguins hope for. Uh, again, I, I mentioned and I still firmly believe that as long as you have Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, never count those three out, even on their worst days. If Tristan Jari isn't ready to go for game one, or if they will keep him out for the remainder of the season, nobody knows at this point. Uh, but if DeSmith or and or Domingue get hot, that that could be exactly what you need to ride through to, to ride through a couple of series. Um, history isn't on the Penguins' side looking at both of the goaltenders they have uh, to choose from at the moment. But hey, you never know. You, you just never know with these sort of things. Hockey is a sport that, uh, like Robbie mentioned with the Stars and the Predators, you can get hot out of nowhere and you can ride that momentum all the way through to a championship. It's a very uh, variable-friendly sport in that you don't really know. The, the, the best teams could be swept in round one. Look at the, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Columbus Blue Jackets just a few years ago. That tells you all you need to know about the unpredictability that can happen when the playoffs roll around. So if 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 Jari isn't ready to go, DeSmith and Domingue could turn on some sort of switch and the Penguins could transform into some sort of powerhouse and they could win a couple of series and heck, maybe even a championship because of that. You just never know. Hopefully it happens. Hope Well, hopefully you don't have to rely on a goaltender to be hot. Hopefully you have enough offense to, to get you through four series and eventually win a championship. But if your goaltender does get hot at this time of year, it's an extra added bonus to your team. And it certainly is a, a positive more than it is a negative. Question number three comes from Brian. 
at this point, Sidney Crosby goes down as a top five all-time player. But do you think he goes down as the top all-around player in league history? Yeah, I don't think there's really much debate to it. I've had this discussion with people uh, in the past. And for a 200-foot player, I don't think we've ever seen anybody like Crosby. Um, All credit. I mean, obviously, you can debate guys like uh, Gretzky, Lemieux, uh, Crosby as offensive players. But what you're seeing, what you see out of Crosby on a a 200-foot game, I just don't think you ever um, see that again, or at least not anytime soon. He's just the best to ever have done that um, at at what he does. And I know sometimes we use in hockey, we use the word grinder to describe guys on like the lower lines that play with an edge, play down low, really get their nose dirty. But I think that applies to Crosby in the best way possible. He is the ultimate grinder at both ends of the ice. If you look at where he plays, he is down below the, below the goal line, pinned to the boards, guys hanging off him, digging out pucks, uh, scoring from in close, doing so much. And I just think that when you look at everything he's done, if you look at his face-offs, his ability to play defense, whether it's just watching on the ice or looking at the analytics, it's very clear that he is probably the best two-way player of all time. And it's unfortunate we answered this question a few weeks ago that he'll probably never win a Selkie trophy uh, for his work as a defensive forward. But it just his whole body of work, uh, combining what he does in the defensive end with what he's done offensively uh, with his numbers is just remarkable. And I would absolutely agree with the statement that he's the greatest um, all around player that the league's ever seen. Uh, Number four from Brian. Again, uh, obviously it's Lord Stanley or bust. But if that doesn't happen, what direction in terms of moves do you think the team goes? This is also another million-dollar question, and we kind of alluded to what what may happen before we hit the mailbag segment. Uh, but if you'd like to have some more specifics, I don't know. That's the best answer I can give. I don't know, because I'm not with Brian Burke and Ron Hextall, obviously. I don't know what's going through their minds. I don't know how far out they're, they're forecasting what the roster looks like, but will they have serious conversations about shedding salaries like uh, Brian Dumoulin, who uh, we've had this discussion a couple of weeks ago. It looks like he's regressed to a very concerning point on the blue line. Uh, what What's going to happen with Brian Rust? Is he just going to take the biggest the biggest uh, paycheck that he gets in unrestricted free agency? How big is the possibility of Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang departing for other teams in free agency also? You have to think that with Crosby... With Sidney Crosby playing with Malkin and Latang for 15-plus years, even with the new ownership group and the, the relatively new management group in, in Fenway and with Hextall and Burke, you have to imagine that even if the Penguins, I don't want to say entering a rebuild because I don't think they are entering a rebuild just yet, if they're entering some sort of retooling phase, you still want to be as competitive as possible and you also want to make sure Sidney Crosby is satisfied Uh because what's the point if from Sidney Crosby's point of view, if you're just going to blow everything up and you still have Crosby available to you, blow everything up once it's certain that Malkin, Latang, and Crosby are no longer here. So is is Crosby going to ask 
the management to retain Malkin and Latang. Uh, he's already lost another friend in Marc-Andre Fleury. Is he going to see two of his other best friends up and walk in free agency without the Penguins seriously offering them contract extensions? Uh, we just don't know. If I had to guess, based on what I've seen right now, uh, I think the Penguins are going to have roughly $30 million, uh, an estimated $30 million in salary cap space to, to kick off uh, their free agent period. I think they'll re-sign, they'll find a way to re-sign Latang and Malkin and, and Brian Rust is the one that exits in free agency. Um, but what direction the team moves in, it's that's the million dollar question. We won't know until after the draft. We won't know really until uh, around late June, early July, I would imagine, unless contract extensions are signed well before then. And Ron Hextall has kept those things cl- very close to his chest uh, when, when talking about, or when asked about, uh, extensions for Latang and Malkin. So it, it's just going to be a waiting game. Like I said, before we switch to the mailbag, I'm, I'm fascinated about this off season because all of the odds are against the Penguins in capturing another Stanley cup, at least how they're currently constructed. The East is a powerhouse. There are dominant teams in the Western conference, Colorado, obviously being the cream of that crop in the West. So with the odds not in the Penguins' favor and everyone seemingly counting them out already, uh, a lot of people are excited to already get to the offseason. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens and what kind of direction and what kind of team we have heading into the 2022-23 season. Tony Nikonen is back for question number five. When visiting Pittsburgh, what is the must-to-do top five? And what is the one go-to meal to have and where would you have it? Bonus question. What is the best brewery in town? Oh, man, that's a loaded question. Um, phew. Um, what is the top, must-do top five? The well, incline has to be one. Yeah, I think Mount Washington is one just because of the views of the city. Um, if you're a museum person, uh, the Carnegie Science Museum, did I get that right? Natural Natural History Museum? Yeah. Wow. Um, if you want to go to the Science Museum, that's more for like a kid's angle. Uh, if you have kids there, that's usually a fun time for kids. Um, Gateway Clippers, uh, a fun time to see a different way to see the city as well. Uh, if you one for self-loathing and are there in the, between April and September, uh, go check out a Pirates game. Um, <laughs> it, it just, I mean, the ballpark's beautiful. The team is not the ballpark. Even after all these years, it's still phenomenal. Uh, so yeah, if you, that's, that's a, uh, a fun time as well. There's so much cool stuff in Pittsburgh uh, to do. Uh, you can go really for uh, the ethnic side. You can eat foods from I mean, Polish, Slovak, German, pretty much name it. There's probably a, a, a section of town that um, you can get really good ethnic food uh, if that's your thing. Um, take a walk I, in the Strip District. To, take, just, yeah, yeah walk just walk the, the Strip yes, District. Walk the Strip. Um, I, 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 I like just walking around downtown. Downtown, I think, is beautiful in Pittsburgh. Um, it's the big city feel without all the people all over you. Um, if you come in the summer, there's always festivals going on um, throughout, the, throughout the summer on weekends and stuff like that. Um, seeing the bridges, um, always a good time. Tons of museums, really tons of museums. The Heinz History Museum is there as well. I mentioned the Carnegie uh, Museum of Natural History earlier. 
Uh, Oakland is really nice if you want to go see the campus of the University of Pittsburgh. Um, uh, Fort Pitt, uh, well, what was Fort Pitt, uh, down at the point. Uh, there's a nice little museum down there. The food, there's a lot of, we always, you always hear about Permanis and the really local, local, uh, as local places. Uh, as much as I love places like Permanis and Burgatory, there are some really top end legitimate restaurants in Pittsburgh. The food scene is absolutely fantastic. So if you're a food person, um, absolutely hit that up. Uh, if you're in town, um, obviously spring or summer or fall is going to be the best time to come just because uh, the winter it's Western Pennsylvania in the winter, it's cold, it's snowy. Um, if you do come in the winter, there's the ice skating rink at PBG place, uh, the Christmas tree, uh, and again, if you're there in winter, you can catch the penguins as well. So, uh, little, uh, not an ad, but if penguins, if you want to send us money, uh, <laughs> uh do that, uh, best brewery in town. Um, and where best meal to have, oh man, there's so many good places in Pittsburgh. Um, it depends on really what you're looking for. Really. I mean, if you're looking for something fancy, you have that there's really good sushi. There's really good, uh, pizza there's really good uh everything there's something for everybody in pittsburgh food wise uh so i can't really give because i want to give a recommendation and then another place pops into my head uh as a place to go so um i'll let you kind of whatever you're looking for in pittsburgh you will find it um and then best brewery in town that's a tough one um i'm a per i do like the the hard ciders so arsenal cider house in lawrenceville um it has really good drinks um, but as for breweries, I haven't been to many breweries in Pittsburgh. I've been to uh, some of the brew fests where a bunch of places show up and you can taste different beers. So I can't really give you a, a specific recommendation there. But if you look online, uh, there's a lot of Pittsburgh area people that are into the uh, craft brewing scene in Pittsburgh. I know Southern Tier down. They actually have a full restaurant down on the uh, North, North Shore. Uh, in between the stadiums, uh, really good food, and I've had their beer before. It's really good. I know Brew Gentleman, I believe, is in Braddock. I've heard really good things about them. Uh, so, yeah, no matter where you go, there's good beer, good food. So if you do come to Pittsburgh, if you want more specific recommendations, you can always reach out. Uh, literally ask anybody. The, the people or people from Pittsburgh are more than willing uh, to give you tips and recommendations of where to eat, where to drink, and what to do. So, yeah, just I mean, there's so much to do in Pittsburgh. Um, so I mean, if you are coming, yeah, search search out search out some recommendations. Uh, if you want to be more, if you want us to be more specific, because there's a lot to do in Pittsburgh. Question number six. Uh, we go back to Brendan. Uh, what other sports teams do you support? Uh, I support the uh, I support the Penguins. Obviously, uh, I don't really support the Pittsburgh Pirates anymore. Um, really fallen out of favor with baseball and the pirates specifically. If, if you're a Pittsburgher listening to this podcast, you, you probably understand why, uh, I don't have to go into too much detail. This isn't a pirates podcast, but, uh, I've fallen out of favor with baseball a little bit. I'm a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan as well. Talking about soccer, AKA football, uh, Manchester city. I started following football, uh, probably back in 2017, I didn't really grow up with it. And I kind of just started watching it on my own. I don't know what drew me to Manchester city of all teams, but that's, that's who I've been following ever since. So 
it's really the Penguins, the Steelers, and Manchester City for me. Robbie, what about you? Yeah, obviously the Penguins, uh, the Steelers are the two big ones here in Pittsburgh. Um, I guess I'm a Pirates fan again, kind of like you. Like I love baseball, but I mean, if the Pirates are gonna would never be good, like that run where they were really good, I absolutely love the Pirates. Um, I mean, I I can't ever say that I hate the Pirates or anything like that. So I guess the Pirates have to be thrown in there as well. Um, um, I went to Penn State, so I'm a big Penn State fan in pretty much all sports. I'll follow Penn State uh, pretty much all over the place. Uh, Soccer-wise, since I don't like to get my hands in the dirty oil money like some of us on this podcast, um, I'm a fan of Manchester United. Um, Again, I started watching soccer, I mean, kind of back in the middle 2000s. Um, I remember, I think it was like 2006, the World Cup was on, and that was like the first World Cup that I can ever remember being kind of invested in. And then I kind of just kind of fell into that. And what, like now you can pretty much find soccer on anywhere, whereas back then you only got maybe one or two Premier League games a week and some Champions League games. And all the games always featured your titans of soccer. United, that was before City was really a power. So they were just kind of up and coming. So they weren't on TV that much. You basically had United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, Madrid, Barcelona, and like Bayern Munich and maybe one or two of the really good Italian teams. Uh, So like that's who was mostly on on TV and like the games were always in the middle of the week. I just be getting out of high school out of the school day when they be so like, it was really hard to kind of get into soccer. So United was on all the time. And I just kind of, um, uh, kind of fell to them, uh, as a soccer team. And then I guess I, I do support the Riverhounds as well because uh, I've watched them on either on ESPN Plus occasionally, and they're really just fun to watch. And I'd like to see them uh, maybe someday make the jump to MLS. Me too, uh, because they have I mean they have a really good following in Pittsburgh, and they're actually a, for for the league they're in, they're actually a really good a good team as well. They're perennial playoff team. They're usually right in that upper tier of being in the mix for the championship. So I mean. Uh, if we're going for local soccer, I definitely support uh, the Riverhounds as well. Uh, they have a really nice rebranding. And, I mean, they've been around for a really long time now. If, if you've paid attention to uh, local sports, they've been around for a really long time now. They have a beautiful stadium uh, downtown on the river uh, across from – well, not downtown, across uh, from downtown. A very nice, beautiful skyline, uh, multi-use stadium. So, yeah, I'll throw the Riverhounds in there as well because – um, they 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 do good by the community. Uh, they turn out a good crowd. They have a very diehard support system, and they put a good product on the field. So, yeah, that's where I'll go with that too. Well, that will do it. That wraps up the six question mailbag, and that will wrap up this edition of the Pensburg Podcast. As I mentioned earlier in the show, this time next week when our next episode comes out, uh, I believe the playoffs will be in full force, or they will just about be ready to drop the first puck on the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. This has been a, a little bit of a uh, of a doom and gloom type ep- episode all things considered looking at the the, the social media uh, the the 
the social media takes of where the Penguins are headed, not a lot of optimism over the last couple of weeks, or really if you want to go even further, the last couple of months. But hopefully, like Robbie described, hopefully there is a, a happy medium to be found. Hopefully the Penguins can surprise us, and hopefully they can make it past the first round for the first time since 2018. Those will be discussions we will have more in depth next week when we find out who the Penguins' first round opponent will be. Uh, but for Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pensburg Podcast, and we will see you all right back here this time next week.